I'm Orlando Jones, and I just want you to know that the Moana Nui podcast will be starting soon. Stay tuned, yo. I'm Veronica Taylor, and from myself and Ash Ketchum, I just want to say, Moana Nui, I choose you! Aloha mai kako, everyone. Welcome to the May 11th episode of the Moana Nui podcast as we continue our celebration of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Month. Um, I hope all of you enjoyed our content last week, um, which was the talk about um, uh, Price Out of Paradise, How Hawaiians Are Forced Off of Their Native Homeland. We had a wonderful conversation with our panelists, Kavika Hoke, Brad Starks, and Kelly Makura, and we're really excited to bring you guys another wonderful topic um, as we continue our celebration. Before we get started, my name is Moana McAdams, and I am the founder and host of the Moana Nui podcast. Um, I'm also a children's book author for the Adventures of Nakoa and Nohea children's book series. Uh, it's a bilingual story told in both English and Olelo Hawaii, which um, focuses on our Pacific Islander cultures um, and bringing uh, new stories to folks in an in a entirely um, new way. Um, and as I mentioned, I am also an advocate and champion for our communities of color, and I'm really excited to have such a wonderful group of panelists tonight. Our topic today is Heba, should hula and non, um, should hula and cultural practices be taught to by um, non-native Hawaiians? And so we're going to approach this um, conversation from a lot of different angles. And my goal with this conversation is to really help um, others understand um, our, the importance of hula within the Native Hawaiian community. Um, and I'm really excited to have our guests talk about their experiences from um, a lot of different perspectives, um, from multiple generations, um, and different experiences teaching both in and outside of Hawaii. So my first guest that I want to bring up uh, is uh, Kumuhula Hokulani Hot Padilla. She is an esteemed Kumuhula who started her own halau in 1976. Kumuhokulani learned traditional hula from her family and has dedicated her life to teaching, promoting, and supporting traditional Hawaiian culture, as well as making it relevant to young Hawaiians. Her award-winning hula dance troupe has performed in competitions all over Hawaii, and she's often an in-demand judge. Her evening-length hula drama about Maui's Super, Supreme Chief Kahikili, which combined hula with modern technology and a bilingual script, toured within the U.S. and to two German festivals. Um, Kumuhoku was also a founding member, a parent, and a director of Punanaleo o Maui, Hawaiian language preschool. She was the first Maui site coordinator for Napua Noeau, the Center for Gifted and Talented Native Hawaiian Children, she was the culture and education manager for the Kaho'olawe Island Reserve Commission and has worked at the Maui Arts and Cultural Center as their cultural programs director. 
Kumuhokulani has also participated in numerous boards and public service organizations, such as Kawahea Incorporated, Lala Kea Foundation, Ilio Ula Okalani Protect Kaho'olawe Ohana, Maui County Street Naming Commission, and the County Commission on Culture and Arts. Kumuhoku continues to tirelessly give to her community and is tremendously proud to be from Maui and to be Hawaiian. Welcome, Antihoku. Mahalo for joining us. Mahalo to you as well. Oh, that makes me sound so important. But you are. That's why I wanted to give <laughs> and, and healthy life. Yes, a long, healthy, wonderful, just very full life. Um, and the other ladies who are joining you today are well on their way as well. So welcome again. Mahalo. My next guest is Kumuhula Lealoha Kaula. She is an inspiring educator, a motivating facilitator, a community leader, a Kumuhula, a devoted daughter, dedicated sister, and loving parent and auntie. Ha'aha, ha, or humility, ohana, family, and aloha, love, are values that were instilled in her at a very young age. Lealoha was born on the island of Oahu to a family of cultural historians and entertainers. Growing up in a family with deep roots in the Hawaiian culture meant she embraced her home and used that guidance to pave the journey she lives every day. When she was eight, Lealoha moved to Moku Okeave, or the Big Island. As a connection to her grandmother, she chose to attend Kekula Onavahi Okalaniopu'u and immersed herself in the native Hawaiian language. As a recipient of the Bank of Hawaii Central Scholars and Princess Pauahi Foundation Scholars, she followed her dream of higher education in the Pacific Northwest. In 2009, Kumulea Aloha founded both the nonprofit organization Ohana Foundation and Halau Kalei Halia Okalokelani in Aloha, Oregon. Today, she advocates for the per perpetuation and sustainability of the Hawaiian culture and the awareness of the rich Pacifica culture through her work with Halau Kalei Halia Okalokelani and Kalo Hawaiian Civic Club. She honors her grandmother as cultural and language educator in the public, uh, Portland public schools. And as a kumuhula, she answered the call to spread the history of Hawaii through hula on the continent. Mahalo lealoha, ekomomai, welcome to the, to the panel tonight. Mahalo. Aloha. Aloha. Uh, let's see. Next, Kumu Kanoelani Davis is a native Hawaiian woman of Molokai whose roots extend back for generations. She is a lifelong cultural practitioner and torchbearer for the survival of many Hawaiian art forms. It is her way of life. And in many in instances, it does not separate her from being. Her dedication to culture advocacy, uh, advoc advocacy for cultural awareness and love for design have been woven together and manifest in the patterns that adorn the wearable art of Pomahina designs. Kanoilani views Pomahina designs as an essence imbued with culture, tradition, and aloha while being infused in contemporary fashion. Kanoi is also a single mother of four daughters and she, um, she once struggled through childhood trauma and through her experiences, she started her newest business, um, Mana Bombs, LLC, 
she also has 40 years of hula experience and 15 years of martial arts under her belt, both of which she started at a very young age. Both practices um, require a combination of discipline and it has really shaped her perspective in dealing with life's adversities and helping to inspire others to see that they can uh, persevere and attain their goals to be successful. So welcome, Kumu Kanoi Lani. Hello, my Coco. <laughs> I couldn't find my, my mute button. Sorry about that. All good. <laughs> oh, you gave me a chance to find my um my last note here. Sorry, I was moving towards diff through different documents, and I think I um misplaced Kumu Michelle's bio. Kalamai, everybody. So I might have to read her short one because, yeah, sorry. Okay, here we go. Kumu Michelle Manu is in internationally known for her accomplishments as a 10th degree black belt, Alihi Kaua, general and Kumulua, teacher of the indigenous Hawaiian cultural practice and martial, Dalua, Kaihivalu, and Manu lineages. Kumu Manu is currently the only high-ranking female teacher of this art and currently the only public representative of a Hawaiian woman warrior in over 200 years. She is presently the only woman to be given the designation of Knight Commander of the Royal Order of Kamehameha, Oahu Chapter, for her continued work in protecting, promoting, and perpetuating the Hawaiian culture through Lua. Previously, she toured the Northwest as a professional uh, Polynesian hula dancer and choreographer for 10 years. Today, she uses hula dance to teach Lua as she believes it is essential for timing, balance, placement, and micro body movements during close quarters combat. She teaches this at UCLA and in her system, Nakoa, the Warriors, and Paalua Omanu. She began working with Honolulu Community College in the Native Hawaiian program in 2002. Kumumano has also been a legal professional for 26 years. She earned her Juris Doctorate and business credentials from George Washington University, business credentials from Harvard Business School and George Washington University. She also holds a master's degree in metaphysical science and is a 2023 candidate for a PhD in philosophy with an emphasis in personal transformation. So please allow me to welcome our last guest, Kumu Michelle Manu to the show. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. <laughs> Aloha, welcome, welcome. Bear with us, guys. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties, but th that is the, the the ups and downs of technology. So, but we're gonna imua and push on um, and get started here. So, um, you know, hula is, you know, it is the heartbeat of the people of Hawaii, and but I want to help you know, our viewers really understand what that means to us and, and our lahui. So Auntie Hoko, would you get us started? Um, how and why is hula important to you? Oh, 
Hula is important to me because it is my, it comes through my family genealogy. So it is a way that we uh, continue our cultural practice that has been given to us. My grandmother was a Kumuhula, Aida Pakulani Long of uh, Kai Anui Long of Maui. She had, okay, hang on. She had seven daughters and eight sons. Of her seven daughters, three became Kumuhula. My Auntie May Lobenstein, my Auntie Kahili Cummings, and my mother, Leanna Woodside. In my generation, her grandchildren, there's myself and my sister, Ulalia Woodside. And in her great-grandchildren, it is my cousin, Melia Lobenstein Carter, and my son, Lono Padilla. So, you know, it is, it, Hula always has been. It's important because it, Hula, in my opinion, Hula is the only cultural practice that continued from traditional times until today, unbroken. Um, other cultural practices were banned. Well, Hula was banned too, but we had stubborn um, ancestors who refused to stop doing Hula. So Hula is the only thing, only cultural practice that has been maintained unbroken since traditional times. And so it's important because all of that ike, all of that knowledge, all of that, that has traveled in the mele and in the stories that accompany the mele come to us to this very day. So through Hula, we have a focused attention to all of those things that are in important intellectually, physically, emotionally, spiritually, that comes through hula. In my opinion, hula touches upon every aspect of Hawaiian culture more than any other single cultural practice. So without hula, we fail to remember all of the pieces that make us Hawaiian. Ooh, mahalo, I love I love that. It's so in-depth and I cannot wait to, to hear everybody else's um, take on that too. Uh, Kumule Aloha, how about you? How is hula important to you? Um, first of all, of course, you know, Kumu Kuleni have beautifully, beautifully said, um, um, you know, for, for me, hula is important to me because it is a connection to my ohana. It is not only connection to Ohana, but connection to our people, right? To where we come from. Um, hula for me, especially living on the continent, is my way of, of remaining, you know, grounded, right? Where is my kahua? And so that is why hula um, is important to me and the importance of of continuing that tradition. Um, like Kumu who said, you know, hula is, it, it is unbroken. And we have to maintain that, that, um, that pilina of hula. And, you know, I come from, my, my tutu um, was um, Meliana, uh, with the Melanani serenaders. And so for me, hula is, um, was always that way of connecting with, with Mele and connecting with Alolo Hawaii. And that was my way of connecting with her. So that is why hula is important to me. 
Mahalo. I definitely hear the common threads about the ohana and perpetuating those those connections. I, I love that. Ohana is really central to the native Hawaiian culture. Um, and it is like, and not just the bloodlines, right? Like the broader family too. So I, I, I absolutely love that. And the, the, the family that you bring into your halau or your school um, too. Um, let's see, Kumu Kanoi, your thoughts. Mahalo. Um, I don't know how I can elaborate on what has already been shared. Uh, I think we share the same, but not all. Uh, the only other thing I would probably add on for myself personally is, um, yeah, it keeps the relationship between the elements, our land, um, and actually it breaks this, this construct of time and space for us because that no longer exists as a hula person. Um, I'll preface, and I know you didn't mention it earlier, but I'll preface, I am humula to kapaa hula ohinai kapola ilai here on Molokai. And, uh, and also, also within the Lua line, and I am so happy to meet humu uh, manu, my grandfather actually learned from kaihevalu. And so I'm, I'm one of two females that graduated under the Lua line here on Molokai, under the Molokai Academy of Arts by Sifu Olohe and Kahukono Francis Lealohawanga. And so, um, you know, I, that's the through line is this connection uh, and it keeps me connected no matter where I am in the world. And I remind my daughters of that all the time in my haumana because uh, we question that. So aside from the ohana, uh, this blood, very, very uh, tangible aspect of it, I, I do want to point out the very intangible and yet deep and, and the fact that we have the ability to, to just dissipate time and space is a magic that cannot be existed, cannot even be fathomed unless you have really understood the practice of hula. And uh, that's what hula does and has provided for me, uh, my family, as well as my uh, haumana. And I pray one day they will see that in its its greatness that hula provides. Um, and sometimes it takes a lifetime, but that's why hula is important to me, so mahalo. Oh, mahalo to that. Because I, I know we talked a little bit um, when I was on Molokai a couple of weeks ago about you know um, the importance of hula and then sometimes you have to go away to appreciate, you know, and so maybe that was, has to happen for our keiki too. Um, with that said, uh, you know, I want to hear Kumu Manu's thoughts, but also like incorporate, you know, um, I know Kumu Lealoha and Kumu Manu, and even you too, Kanoi, like, you know, you spent some time away, from, uh, you know, from Hawaii, um, but you still, you know, uh, continue to practice hula. Um, how is that for you too? Like, you know, um, the connection, like the special, what what is so special about hula even outside of the continent and what are your experiences with that that made it special for you, Kumumanu? Oh, um, I, I actually agree because I think it's more spiritual than anything. And there is no time or distance in the spirit. And I think that's how we get tethered back to our ancestors as well as the Aina, no matter where we're located. I used to always say, you know, we're disjointed or we're not home as much if we travel or we've relocated for a period of time or for a long period of time. And there are periods where we need to go home and get filled up and then come back in and then give it back out. 
to get readjusted, realigned, and fed ourselves so that we can uphold our kuleana. But hula has been extremely important for me. I always love my hula. I've always been somewhat of a technician instead of a feely dancer, and I never knew why. And it was when I was accepted as a disciple um, in the late 90s with Solomon Kaivalu that um, it really, I really started to see the parallels between the hula and the lua. And what we hear all the time, how you know the, the lua was hidden within the hula after the lua was banned, which we believe was about three, two to three years before the hula was banned and written into kingdom law, the ban. Um, but it wasn't until I felt both energies, which is the same as just the expression of the practitioner. Uh, one is obviously to perpetuate, um, to connect. And the other one is on the other end of extreme dislocation, protect uh, and take one's opponent, de-escalate or actually take them out, uh, make. But uh, I, I, it wasn't until I was asked to uh, contribute to a paper uh, in Hilo, UH uh, Hilo, for two graduate students that were wanted to know where some of the Lua was hidden in the hula that forced me to sit down and, and be in quiet time and commune and actually look at everything. And I found these uh, tremendous parallels and it's just developed since then. And I can't see a difference anymore. It's just the way in which I express it. And it helps tremendously in learning the Lua because like Auntie said, that so much of the other cultural practices have been hidden and burned and buried, and, and we're, we have little parts that, that come back um, and we try to incorporate them, but nothing has really stayed intact um, like our hula. So for me today, it's integral, especially with women who have not been given the chance to study lua very often or as frequently as the kane. Uh, we were forced to dance, uh, whether we were home and it was hula or other types of dance or on the continent learning tap jazz and all of the others. There's still an eight count and there's still a movement there uh, that is actually you can see the lua in it and you can see our hula in it. So bringing those together today when someone when a woman has been um, subjected to maybe unhealthy kane or ku energy, they really don't like to feel it in their body but yet we're made of both. We talk of ku and hina. We a kui alua in itself. Where's the hina in that? Where's the balance? And I have theories on that and why it has been the way it's been in the last 200 years, uh, public facing anyway, as far as lua. But our lua is incomplete without the hula. And that is my personal belief. Mahalo for that. I, I, I love in for a sec. Yeah. Um, you know, Kumanu, I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, I also, in my growing up with hula, had heard about the parallels between hula and, and lua and never really had an opportunity to find out both until I was in um, my late 20s, you know, when the body still could function the same way. Um, and I had an opportunity to learn in Paku Ialua. And um, I immediately, immediately saw the parallel. As soon as you begin to learn your basics, you see it clearly. The, the parallels in hula and, and lua and the thought processes of both, the disciplining in both, the spiritual connection in both. And, you know, it for me, um, 
I had to come, there was a point that I had to come to to decide um, between Lua and Hula because I was already a Kumuhula and I knew I couldn't give 200% to both. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to return to Hula. But, you know, my sister still continues in, in Lua, but I, I really uh, agree with you. And I see Kanoi nodding her head because mm -hmm. she also has had training that if you have training in both, you absolutely can see that they are related. Right, it's open and obvious. It's like fluency of two different languages. And unless you know both, a little bit of both, it, it's right there. It's like, can you see it, right? No, and I wanted to point that out too. So part of part of Lu and Hula, because I had to take both at the age of two, like it both were family lineages. So I had no choice, like you said. So growing up in it, it was very hard. And I was, when I say trained, I, it was we were training, we weren't, practicing we're training for something greater but the spiritual side of the two are equal for a long time in hula i could watch people's feet and i could identify where they came from who their kumu hula was and what la island they were from and now it's a little bit different because of innovation yeah it's changed a lot it's, it's not that it's unidentifiable but it's 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 not as easily identifiable because we're constantly evolving and i know we're going to get into this, into this later but you know when you have the lua and you have the hula because it was it was when underground we were also trained to observe and so this is where the observation came into play and why observation kilo was so important it's like it, you you know we could train ourselves to see the hands the feet the movements and then because not all halal had the lua hidden in it only certain halal could have certain so i would i was trained to pick up on what those were in all halal so Mary Monarch was my, my most fun time because I just look at feet the whole time. And I'm going, oh, I know who that, yes, I know who that is. I know where that came from. But only I could, it was hard for a very long time because I could only talk to myself. Nobody mm. understood that side of me. Um, but what you're saying is so important because, you know, these are the things that we all had to do, our, our kupuna had to do in order for us to see the message right. today. Yeah. So yeah, hula is important because we need to preserve, but hula is important because it was preserved for us today. And if we can pull all the secrets out and we pull the hikuna na meakuna, then we see the whole picture. And I also know that like we're we're not all gonna get it. And I'm okay with that. Some days I fight, like, how come you cannot see what I see? <laughs> but it's fine, you know, and I recognize that's not what the case is. And it's gonna have to be like that until that one person in the far future has it all. Uh, but definitely, uh, Lua and Hula is hand and foot. We hear Ka'ana. You know, Olohe is across, the Pu'u Olohe is across where Ka'ana is in Pu'u Nana, where the birth of Hula took place. Yes. And this is where the Olohe were born. Yes. You know, here on Molokai. Yes. So it, the Kuhina is, is very important. But I just wanted to reaffirm that for. Mahalo. It makes me excited because it's nice to hear other people talk about, <laughs> things, you know, rare moments. Yes, I was going to say, I'm so glad that we we're able to make this connection because I know it means so much to Kumumano. We had conversations when we were on Honolulu and it's so easy to feel like you're an island um, as a vahine with Lua because it's not seen as much. So um, I'm so glad we get we get to explore this topic more and, and talk about it more openly and relate it to things that people already understand with Hula. Um, but one of the, the things that we just briefly talked about is kuleana. 
Um, and for those who are listening and who doesn't know what kuleana means, it's like the responsibility, your purpose, like what is the reason for why this is important. Um, so let's let's ask maybe a potentially controversial question. Um, who, who or what is a kumuhula? I would say who. Who is a kumuhula? How does one earn this title? Because um, I've been living on the continent for a while and there are a lot of self-proclaimed kumuhula and I look at them and I'm like, no. Um, so what, who's a kumuhula? How does one earn the title and what kuleana comes with this role? And let's go to Kumu Lealoha because I know she has kind of bridged both, both sides of this, <laughs> being like someone who comes from Hawaii but is now teaching on the continent. So let's hear from you, Kumu. Um, you know, this question, this question is, is so near and dear. So I can back up for a lot and, and mahalo for, you know, Kumuhula and all of that. Um, I, for me, um, I don't use the title Kumuhula. I only use Kumu. I, that is what I am a Kumu. I am a source. Um, the reason being is because when our halal started and my auntie who, um, blessed our halal being here and blessed my mom's kumu who allowed me to open up a halal here. Um, unfortunately, that my kumu passed away. And so to go through that process of being a kumuhula for me will, will not be because it's hard for me to just, when your kumuhula is not there to take, to, to do that Take you on that journey. So before I start crying, I'm not going to go into that. Anyway, I just wanted to start with that. Yeah, that's one of my biggest things. Um, for me, um, kumuhula is definitely earned. Um, it is an earn. It it is it is a gift and it is a privilege. Um, it is gifted to the person who earns that title. Um, you know, even though my auntie blessed our halal and she's a renowned kumuhula, um, and you know. And she gave us, this, you know, our name, you know, she blessed us with our name and all of that. Um, still to this day, because I didn't finish, you know, my uniki went as far as Olapa and I just didn't, I didn't finish. I don't go with Kumuhula um, because for those who have gone through that, through the uniki process and become Kumuhula, it is not, um, it's not easy. It's not, it's not a, it's not a handshake. It's not a hey, you got the job sign here on this line, this dotted line. No, when you become, when you take on kumuhula, you don't just teach hula. Man, you're the teacher, you're the counselor, you're the mom, you're the dad, you're the cousin, the grandma, the grandpa, the everything, right? Um, and when I started our halal, I was 25. Um, who I am now today is very different <laughs> from 25. Um, you learn so much, but you have to. So, you know, kumuhula, you have to have, and the other thing is that lineage, the, the the connection to the source, and and people may argue with, they might not, they may say other things, and if somebody tells you you're kumuhula, you get to be a kumuhula, whatever, but I feel like you have to have the source, and if you do not have that pico for your for for your hula, for me, this is just for me on the on the continent. There are a lot of people who throw around the word kumuhula. Mm -hmm. and they misuse it and I feel like um it's a problem and so for me in Oregon um I battle the <laughs> those people I um because I have no shame um because it's misappropriate that's cultural appropriation 
that's to my culture, to my lineage, to my family, to my kupuna. Um, and so when people call themselves a kumuhula, I want to know why, how, where, like, wait, how you know, um, especially when they perform and they olelo and they chant and they oli and it sounds like a bunch of geese running around on a field. That's that's not okay. Sorry, I know everybody laughing because it's true. And I just like, you know, so up here, so many people call themselves kumuhula because somehow they went to Hawaii, fell in love with hula at a luau. And then they be they decided to become a, a cool because they're and they're like you know they have this concept that kumuhula is a teacher of of hula. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Kumuhula is a gift. It, it is a it is a kuleana. It is something that you awamo, and you it is it is it's passed down. It's generationally handed to you. So it's not um it's not you cannot just get. Not not downplaying the degrees, but it's not a degree. Just because you get the degree doesn't make you a kumula. So anyway, I could go on and on about this topic. So I'm gonna just yeah. Michelle, let's go to you. Um I that was really, really good. I uh on that uh, I get really aggravated too, but my counterparts are Kane. Um, not wahine. Uh, so even worse for a wahine uh, koa or a kumu lua, that's a, a wahine to challenge, which I have. <laughs> so last one was um, actually within my lineage, but he was a remote student of Olohe. So uh, he declined, uh, which of course gave me street cred. <laughs> we all need that, right? <laughs> um, yeah, you just you just cannot. I know our my Alohe uh, Solomon. He he decided to evolve it to where we did have ranks. That's why you see that outrageous rank of tenth degree. Um, you you everyone knows, uh, especially Kumu, that there are no ranks in Lua. You you Ailolo and you reach a certain level, and then Kumu. I can't speak for any other lineages, but it happens around fifth degree black belts in the Kaivalu lineage. Uh, before that, you're not even. It's not even a possibility. Uh, with that comes what Kumu just said, all of the responsibility, the title and correlating uh, uh, duties that comes with that title. So it's not just, I'm teaching you some techniques, I'm teaching you some conditioning. Um, I get to promote you to different levels. It, it is, uh, again, early, we talked about this. Someone said uh, it's, it's a lifelong journey and that's what Lua is too. They're both very parallel. So. A lot of fakes running out there. Uh, we can see it in on all of martial arts, not just Lua. So mm-hmm. yeah, and, and social media hasn't helped either. You know, oh. you just put a pretty picture up and profess something. And um, I went through a betrayal with one one Haumana, uh who was trying to take uh, her previous training in a Korean art and trying to say it's hidden in the hula. So she was dismissed from study. I mean, blasphemy, absolutely. And then uh, went to another Kumu and tried to get ranked. So there are those out there that are misusing the title of Kumu. On top of that, last Thanksgiving, um, actually it was a year ago Thanksgiving, there was the same idiot that decided he was going to file at the U.S. Trademark Patent, Patent Trademark Office to, for uh, exclusive rights to Kumu Lua and Olohe. So if you you know saw me on social media, I took that. You know, there's very rare, very rarely will I take my platform um, 
into the gutter, but it must go when when uh, I need help from our culture uh, in calling out these non, no offense, the non-Hawaiians that want exclusive rights to our cultural terms, um, which they have no idea the depth in which these terms uh, mean to us, mean to our kupuna, and mean to our future generations. Uh, of course, thankfully, um, this this guy, I was going to call him a gentleman, but this this guy dismissed both applications for the service mark. So he will not own Kumulua and he will not own Olohe. So, you know, to further what Kumu was just saying, there's a lot of these jokesters out there. We just, unfortunately, you know, it's part of protecting number one, promoting number two and perpetuating number three. That is what we're charged with as Kumu. So I don't, it's probably similar in Hula as well. Absolutely, mahalo for being our koa. <laughs> and putting those dudes in place when they need to be put there. Kumu uh, Kano, I know you have wonderful opinions about this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm going to keep it light. <laughs> uh, first, I want to acknowledge uh, the, the word kuleana. You know, we hear this as responsibility. What we don't hear is accountability. And so when we take on these titles, when we take on this Koleana to teach, to perpetuate. We are accountable for both the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what goes out there. And I think we forget that. And, you know, so it's easy to, to love hula and go teach hula and be all the hula things because we love it and it's healthy and it's a lifestyle and, uh, you know, whatever's law. But, man, there is accountability and it is not fun and it creates a lot of humility. And you either going to take it or you go walk away. And I, being trained in hula, that was my role. I Man, I was humbled a lot. And so I'll, let me go back into other parts of this, too. Um, when I was a child, I was asked in, my, in, in elementary, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a kumu hula. But that doesn't make you money. I don't care. <laughs> That's what I want to be. And it wasn't because of money, because I actually teach for free. Um, but, you know, part of that is... You know, I tell my students, we're hula practitioners first and foremost, period, bottom line. We're not entertainers. It's not wrong to entertain, but we're practitioners first because that comes with accountability and, and, and responsibility. Mm -hmm. And um, it helps also lighten that load uh, in what we carry because we carry a lot. Um, you know, the other part, too, is I wanted to graduate with an ailolo. Like, that was my dream. I could see it already. Like, oh, I'm going to catch my pig and I'm going to you know, do all the things. And like, find, I, I planted my new heva like long time ago. Like, I was ready for it. And um, it didn't happen. I actually, my kumu happened to be up at um, uh, Puuhuluhulu. And I had to do protocol up there. I brought a bunch of my students from Molokai. We did protocol up at Puuhuluhulu. And then I was done with my protocol. That's when my kumu on that mountain had said, you are Kumula. And I would look at him like, now? <laughs> like, wait, where's the ceremony? Where's That was the ceremony. That was it. And then I went, okay. You know, so all these dreams and expectations, it's fine. And, you know, it took a long time for me to accept that. It took a long time. And I, I, I he introduced me to, to the royal order and to everybody who was on, to the witnesses, basically, on that mountain that day as Kumula. Davis. And I was like blind, mind blown. It, it came out and, and I, I worked so hard. 
because I had no expectations. I just did what I was supposed to do. And I think he just at that time just said, now's your time. And I worked hard. My kumo used to, oh, I was the example for everybody. A lot of the times. I was his alaka'i and po'opua. And I never got a choice when I grew up to choose my halal. I was actually passed down from one halal to the next. And, you know, people think, you have one kumula for life, and that might be the case for some, but for me, I, I was past. Um, when I was younger, I had Auntie Loretta Reddy was my kumula. She's my hero. She will always be my hero. And um, she passed me off to Auntie Moana. And so then I had danced with Auntie Moana. I learned the entertainment side of that, the Polynesian side of that, the whole lot of Samoan, the everything. Yeah. I'm very grateful. And then after that, I moved to the continent. And um, Kumukohoone actually found me and he asked me to come dance with him. And after I danced with him, he quickly promoted me. I went bypass the Olapa because I had a lot under my belt. And he has passed and I miss him. Um, he introduced me to two of his Kumu that he had graduated and he only came. And he passed me on to one of that Kumu. And I, I was taken under his wing. I didn't have a choice. There was no choice. And so I became the alaka'i. I became the popo. I moved home. Was not allowed to start a halal. And um, I was—I I only could have a paw, not a halal. And I was told, okay, you gonna have a paw in Molokai. You're going to continue practicing. You're going to continue teaching under my lineage. And I said, okay. And I just did it. No question, no doubt. I didn't ask. I didn't want to know. I just did because I knew I was supposed to. And I did for a very long time. And I didn't have my, my students didn't call me uh, Kumu. They called me Po, Po Pua. And so I taught under that, that, that guise. And then, interesting enough, prior to me going to, um, to do ceremony and taking my students up to Pu'u Hulu Hulu and where my Kumu was, um, uh, uh, came, which was the name Kapahula Ohina Ikapola Ilai, and that's a whole other thing. But I didn't know, I didn't understand. I just said, okay. And then that moment happened up at Pu'uhulu. And I came home because I wasn't ready, right? We want to be ready for something. We want to know we're going to get something so we can prepare for it. And in this instance, it wasn't the case. So I was confused, you know? And so, um, I ended up coming home and talking to my papa. My papa is my also my teacher, my my sifu, my olohe. He is the person that has taught me everything that I know today, culturally. And I asked him, what do I do? Kumu made me kumu and I wasn't ready for this. I don't know how to take it right now. I don't understand. And he looked at me and he goes, accept it. And that was the hardest thing, you know, so... I'm not gonna lie. For for a very long time, for maybe a few months, maybe even a year almost, it was hard for me to transition from Kumu to from Po'o to Kumu. Okay. I didn't know how. I didn't know how. And so as time went by and Papa was like just looking at me, just going, accept it. And you know, he was teaching me a lesson. <laughs> right? Let go. Let go of this expectation that you had to graduate and do all the things that you were supposed to do because that's how you dreamed about it. He goes, you earned your space. You proved your point that was seen. Accept it. And so that moment, I accepted it. 
And since then, it was it's been a journey, um, you know. And you know, and ironically, in that same year, as I reflected back, I did an ilolo. Actually, I ended up sitting down and um, with actually the kupuna and having that ilolo. But it wasn't connected directly. It was all this indirect, all these things that led up to that moment, which was so interesting when I look back. And um, the new Hiva still still lives and is thriving and still feeds the kuahu. But, you know, as far as the kumuhula, the, the, the understanding of um, kuleana, responsibility, accountability, that's real. If they fail, I fail. And if I fail, my kumu fail. And I will never let them fail. <laughs> oh, no, 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 because I know I will get putty in all the realms, and I'm not here for that. You know, and as I tell my huamana, I will, even when I'm gone, you still gonna get nuku, you know, <laughs> but you know that little bit of fear is good. Uh, so here's what it is. But that's that's my manao, and you know that's what I can share around uh, kuleana uh, and 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 even uniki. You know, some some people accept it, some people don't. It doesn't matter. My kuleana, I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna keep walking. You challenge me, challenge me. You you want me to stand next to you? I stand next to you. But I'm pa. It's just moving, you know, and that's my kuleana. So, yeah, that's my understanding of what that responsibility is. Mahalo. I, I love all of your stories. It's it's so wonderful, especially um, you bringing up, you know, that like you have multiple kumu, it's not just one, you know, and that sometimes the expectations of how you expect things in life to be, whether it's hula or, you know, everything else, like, no, it's not really going to come out like that. And I, I think probably everybody on this panel can probably say like, oh, you know, like you had unexpected things happen to you. Like, oh, that's how it works. Mm -hmm. Am I ready? You know, kind of thing. So um, love hearing that. Auntie Hoku, as our kupuna on this panel, I would love to hear your, your perspective on this. Well, I want to start a little bit with how hula comes to me and then how I see it moving past me. Um, I came from a family of kumu hula. I started hula before I understood that I was doing hula. My mom, mother had the pictures, so it must have happened. Um, <clears throat> my first teacher was my grandmother. My second teacher was my auntie. Um, on Maui, and then um, I learned with my mother. But you know, I had to I had to mature in order to learn from my mother. Um, I was a little bit hot head sometimes, so you know, she didn't really begin teaching me until I was older, till I matured. She was ready, I wasn't. Um, but when I was on Oahu, I had the great fortune to learn from uh, Huakale Kamau. And she gave me my undying love for Kahiko. Uh, in the six years that I was with her, we only did Kahiko. We, we never did, oh, we maybe did one Awana because we had to do it for some show and then we promptly forgot it. Um, so, so Hwakale gave me my undying love for um, Kahiko. When I moved back to Maui, um, I went to, you know, I knew I had to ask my mother 
who I should go dance hula for. That's not my decision. That's my mother's decision. So she sent me to several folks, but they all told me no because they felt they couldn't give me any more. And so when I finally told my mother, they all told me no, I, I was feeling very not worthy. Um, <clears throat> she said, wait, um, I'll call you back. So then she calls me back and she says, I'm coming to Maui, pick me up at the airport, take me to your auntie's house. I said, you know, you know better than to ask why, yeah. So I went, okay, pick her up. And then she tells me, go away. So I go away. And then she calls me again. She goes, come back. So I come back. And then she said, your auntie and I have decided it is time for you to be a kumpula. And I told her, no, mama. I don't want to be a kumukula. I'm not pow dance. I want to still dance. I'm not pow dance. And she said, too bad. We have decided it is what's going to happen. So I want to tell Lealoha that in my opinion, there are three ways that you can be a kumukula. One, the formal ceremony. Two, a family lineage. However the family decides it happens, it happens. And three, your big kumu tell you no matter what. Your big kumu said, and that's all that is needed. Because what really is needed is that connection back. That direct connection back from you to the kumu who gave you those privileges and those responsibilities, and to their kumu who gave them the same thing, and their kumu who gave them the same thing. To me, that responsibility back to a hula teacher before you is what is needed. That is the important thing, is that you realize that you are continuing the desires of the kumu before you. There doesn't have to be a formal, you know, ceremony kind uniki. You know, in the 60s, they used to have a certifi certification paper. They have a big party, and then the big kumu goes, you now are a kumu hula, give you the paper. That's how it happened in the 60s. So if your auntie, your grandmother, your kumu says, oh, it's time for you, then that's all, then that's all. You cannot negate their desire to see what they saw in you. They saw and they said, you can. So that's all, that's all there is. And if anybody like call you on the carpet, you tell them the same thing. I was given the rights and responsibility of being a kumuhula. Kikopao, kikopao. Um, it's those who make up in their mind they can be a kumuhula. That's the guys you gotta yank, yank the carpet out, you know, because 
there is no responsibility. That's what being a kumu is. You all said the same thing. There's kuleana. There's responsibility to this ike that you have been given. You have freely been given this ike. And they gave it to you freely. And they tell you, go, go and help others yes. see this kuleana. And so, you know, Lealoha, I'm going to tell you, if you feel you are a kumuhula, I will recognize you as that. Because your ohana has said so. And that's enough. Your ohana has said so. That's enough. Yeah, so being a kumuhula, as all of you have said, it's not easy. You know, from the outside, from the people who don't know, Wow, being a kumuhula is just so cool. Cool. People listen to you. People do stuff for you. That's all they see. They don't see, you know, the husband that comes to you and tells you, Kumu, my wife doesn't come home from hula. What do I do? How do I help him? You, they don't see the parent that comes kumu. She not going, my baby not doing her homework, so I'm going to take her out of hula. And I told her, oh, no, no, no. Hula is where she needs to stay. That's where she gets the discipline. If you cannot give it to her, I'll give it to her. And I said that too. If you cannot give it to her, I'll give it to her. So, you know, the koleana of being a kumu hula might look glamorous on the outside. You watch Mary Monarch and you see all the glamorous kumuhula that go up on stage and people look and say, oh, it must be glamorous. And then all these people love them. They clap for them. They hug them. They honey them. Yes, that is the least that they give back to all that they have been given. Yeah, all that they have been given. And if they don't realize they have been given their life, then they don't deserve to be in hula. They don't. Because hula, I believe, is where we continue to teach our people how to be Hawaiian. To me, halau does that. Teaches our people how to be Hawaiian. When the outside world tells you you don't have to be respectful, you don't have to be kind, you can say whatever you want to say, oh, oh, that don't fly in hula. Mm -mm. That don't fly in hula. It is hula that teaches you to be Hawaiian. And if you're not Hawaiian and you're in hula, this is good stuff for you because you should know this as well. So the kuleana of a kumuhula, and I'm sure kumumanu in your lua, is to help people be good people, to help them be good people, to be kind and, and disciplined and helpful and to be able to, to practice those things Hawaiian that does not have to be lived only in Hawaii. Thank you. It can be lived elsewhere. But you are right, Kumumanu, that you also have to come back to Hawaii. 
you have to come back to Hawaii and retouch, re, like you said, rejuice yourself up, right? Rejuice yourself up with all the beauty that is Hawaii so you can carry it with you when you go back to where you live. So that is the kuleana of our cultural practices. Hello, Auntie. Especially if our if our kumular alohe are have gone, you know where this is the only place we can we can come. And just like Kumu was going to get emotional about her kumu, I me too. It's it's not even been three years, so it's very difficult, you know. And and yes, this kuleana for on the lua aspect because it is about joint dislocation and engaging physically. I have to make sure that the ancient practice of the pohihihi, the metaphysical, is also part of Lua, which is not what has been taught to me. And my Alohi was very crude. He took on the king's, uh, you know, edict of maximum kills and turned it all martial. So very imbalanced. But I, again, understand that because of the era in which he grew up. Anything that was wahine, anything that was loina wahine, anything feminine was was considered weak and uh, vulnerable and uh, pansy. And I, I want all of it. We show this as Kumu that we're anything but that. We're formidable and the divine feminine the loina wahine is vicious when you challenge her when you when you uh threaten anything that we love or hold dear and so in that this being full contact uh, where we touch each other i cannot have koa or haumana that don't have control over their emotions they must learn the Hawaiian way, the Maoli way, if you will. Um, I am not Maoli. My father is Kanaka. I'm not. I'm just Hawaiian. I, I was born on the mainland because my father left the Aina and married a Scandinavian. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, too light, too dark, disowned. They were part of that whole era of interracial marriages, you know? Uh, so I think I understand why the coup has been so prevalent, but my students must understand that they have to have a grip on themselves. Otherwise, they will misuse what I'm teaching them and they will harm themselves, their families, and everyone they come in contact with. Why Why would I ever want to teach someone that's unstable and not connected uh, spiritually uh, to this cultural practice of our warriors? <laughs> they didn't just, I always say, they didn't just exit the Hale and do martial arts techniques all day. They were well-rounded and had great courage and control over themselves. And that is needed when you practice Lua. You know, I, you, you just, and same with Hula. You cannot just go out there and do whatever the hell you wish to do. Otherwise, the Kapuna will stop you. <laughs> you know, forget about the physical, the scene. The unseen will become very seen when it needs to be. Thank you, Auntie. Mahalo. Wow. I, I, yeah, I, I feel like I'm absorbing so much right now from all of you and to see Auntie help, you know, Kumule Aloha get her healing and her, you know, confirmation, even though it's already there, right? Like, but you know, sometimes we need that reinforcement and those reminders. And that's another reason why it's important, again, back to those connections, you know, whether it's our own individual lineages or connections to each other like this so that we can help each other stay grounded and understand that importance. And, you know, life takes people off, off the beaten path sometimes. Um, and sometimes we got to bring them back. You know, that's, that's a big part of our culture too. Like come back, come back to the group, right? Ho'oponopono. Let's, 
Let, let's bring it back. So mahalo for that. Um, one of the things that we talked about and the word has come up a lot and I think it's really, really important is that accountability. So um, as a kumuhula, how do you ensure accountability to the people when non-Kanaka Haumana go astray, or even Kanaka Haumana, right? Because like both can go astray, can go astray. So how do you guys handle that with your Haumana or your students? Um, let's see. Let's go back to Kumuli Aloha. Um, yes, mahalo. Mahalo, um, Kumuhoku. I didn't know I was going to come today crying, kalamai. So mahalo. Sorry. <laughs> I can't see myself. Um... Accountability is, you know, accountability, humility is the biggest, part of the biggest part of halal, right? It's that our foundation, it's that awa mokulana. When they go astray, which happens more often than people think, um, that's the part where, you know, we're not just a kumu, we got to be a counselor and everything else, right? The parent, you know, you parent so many people. You think I only have, only have my three keiki, but no, I got a parent on other keikis too. And then you got a parent adults too. Um, but when they go astray, um, for me in halal, it's just a matter of, remind. it's a reminder. It's a reminder for me. Sometimes we got to hoi back to like, hoi ka piko, right? Um, for our halal, um, because of my, because of how I grew up, where I grew up, how I was raised, our halal, we go back every year sometimes twice a year back to, back home and so um because hula can be done hula can be done hula can be taught anywhere around the world you really can you can be spoken and taught anywhere around the world but you gotta hold you kapiko right mm. and so for our students you know um i have one of my ladies she's been with our hello for almost 10 years and for some reason, on all the Hawaii's that we've done, she's never made it to Hawaii. You know, she's also from the island. She's from a different island. Um, she's never made it to Hawaii of dancing hula with us. Her daughter, it's, it's just, you know, and with COVID, COVID kind of changed up all of our Hawaii's. But uh, we finally made it. I took her to Maui with me. Um, we actually went home um, for um, um, one of my good friends, um, Alan's Halal with Kumukamaka Kukona's um, Hoike and his 28th Hoike and she went home and it wasn't necessarily to go back to Hawaii for her to like know what Hawaii it was this this Hawaii was to take her back to Halau and to see Hula in this in its in its home space in its homeland where it thrives you know and to see that and it was just her heart was just so full because it was like how do you how do you know of a person who's not you know, Hawaiian, how is it okay for me to feel disconnected to Hawaii? Why is it, why Why do I have this pilina with hula that grounds me? And, and I, I just, I, I don't know why. And then you go into this space, you hear the oli, you see the way that everybody interacts with each other. You see that family, you see making lays with each other and just, and just that pilina, right? And so, that's what helps is always taking them back home, especially living on the continent. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when they go astray and we just cannot, um, sometimes it's letting them go mm -hmm. and them having to find their own path, especially on the continent, ha having them to, maybe they have to seek out a different halal or a different kumu or 
you know, because, and I always tell my homana, like, maybe, you know, I didn't only have one kumu. And so, so we always got to remind them that. Um, now, when it comes for, the, I've been in spaces here on the continent where that astray means being disrespectful and using hula or using Hawaiian culture as a means for um, income or monopolizing on our culture then that becomes something, a whole nother different conversation. And it's about educating. And what I found here on the continent is we get so upset. When I first moved here, I used to get so upset. I used to get so angry that people didn't, why are they asking me? For me, I was like, this is a stupid question. Why are you asking me this? Of course, like, you know. But then as I started to live here and get to know the system here, it's because they're uneducated, truly it's uneducated and people always they, there's this there's this line that drives me absolutely crazy you don't know what you don't know people yeah you don't know what you don't know okay that's fine that you don't know what you don't know what are you doing about it yeah what is your resolution you cannot just use that as your excuse that oh well ah you don't know what you don't know okay how many times are you gonna use that sentence you know what I mean? So if you don't know what you don't know, but look at the resources. Look at the resources we have today. You know, so like in our in our community, just in our school district, I've been very privileged that they've welcomed, you know, Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian history to be able for me to come into the schools and teach Hawaiian history. And then, of course, that relationship with our Native American people, our Native American families, like just being able to understand, like, I am an indigenous person, right? I am I am indigenous to Hawaii, and I now occupy an indigenous person's land. What does that look like? And so I got to also educate myself. So living on the continent, there's been this battle of, like, I so upset, but then I got to also, like, you know, uplift. So when I navigate that with my homana, it's, it's always having conversation. And I think the biggest part is being willing to educate and then at the end, of, on the other part of that is being hum- humble enough to accept that education and accept the fact that, yeah, you don't know what you don't know, but you're willing to learn and you're going to make the effort to. So I think, yeah, hopefully I may have gone all, all over the place with the answer. <laughs> no, I, I love it. You covered a whole bunch of a bunch of aspects of this. And I think it's all needed and important to that the answer to that question. Kumukanoi, I see you you making movements over there. <laughs> so I'm going to go to you. <laughs> so much things are in my brain, but this is really great. Um, I know we've had this conversation before, and I have a couple mana'o behind this because um, from 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 having to, to live on the continent for a little while, Ula never stopped. First thing I did was look for halal. First thing I did was look for the kanaka. First thing I did, like, there was no question. I was going to find them. And if I wasn't going to find them, I was going to make sure that my kids was the them. You know? And I was a young mom back then. And my babies were little. But, um, you know, we grew. And so, and we made do. And if that's one thing I learned, it's we make do with what we have. Right? Um, and we can make, that's the magic of being a practitioner. Is we can make something out of nothing. That's our magic. Because we know it so well. Um. 
But on the other hand, as far as like, you know, um, the appropriation and then also teaching, it's, I do have students who are non-Hawaiian that do come and I don't turn them away because there are opportunities. There's advocacy and there's support and kako. And we need that. We do. Allyship is important. Um, it's also what I recognized is, you know, many times it's those ones who have no no koko who want to learn the most and who are willing. And so I go, okay. But in the meantime, I'm I have a responsibility to look for the one with the koko who, who can carry this on. You know, so I, I have one haumana who has who is my whole pa'a. And he's in training right now. And he doesn't have koko. And I have to remind him constantly. Like, yeah, okay. You get all this ike. You're diving deeper than many other students will ever dive. You're seeing layers and layers and layers. And I'm showing you secrets and magic that nobody will ever, ever experience. Only a few will. But even if you uniki, the Hawaiian is still responsible. So don't, don't think that you're the only one. Even if there's another one that comes before you or after you. The kanaka is responsible. And I go tell you why they're responsible. Because when things go down under our lineage, they're not looking at you. They're looking at the kanaka. Hundred. So he understands that very well. But I'm very clear because one of the best, biggest things we can offer as a gift is communication. Because you can either continue or you don't. Just make up your mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't waste my time. I don't want to waste your time either. But, but he, he holds, he holds a koleana as well. But at the end of the day, when it becomes a decision needs to be made, it has to fall on the kanaka. And it, it, you know, you could be brother and sister, and maybe you folks, you folks graduate together, uniki together in the future. But the, the one with the koko still has, and it doesn't make them higher. What it makes them more is is accountable. Like I said, so. Um, and, and that's important. We can hold all the secrets. We can have all the, the knowledge and all the ike. Uh, but at the end of the day, the kanaka, the maoli, the kanaka maoli is, is responsible. And so um, I'm very, very clear about that. Uh, and, and you know, I raise a lot of my, a lot of my home and I have a few, you know, and I always say, my kumu told me the same thing. You're going to have to, you're going to have to live life, divorce, have plenty of kids, you know, get married again, question all your, your whole entire world, then come back to Hula because you figured out some things in life. And you can come back and then we're going to go. And, you know, that's the hard part when you have Keiki who start with you at the beginning. Then they got to go to college and they got to go away. And then they got to go get married and they got to have kids. And then you're waiting for them. And then they come back. And then you go, oh. Oh, thank goodness you came back. What you and remember? Okay, let's start from there. <laughs> you know, and you go, okay, because that you planted the seed. It doesn't mean it's done. Like the Olena, it goes dormant. No, no, Olena is a very powerful, powerful la'au, even for us as hula people, la'au people. And so I look at my my haumana as Olena sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> they go dormant. But when that pua comes up, it's ready and ripe and we are here. And it, yeah, talk about inflammation. All that swollen pressure down already, you know. So so um, 
you know, it's nice when they come back, but I do have to preface to my haumana who are non-Hawaiian, who have surpassed many Hawaiians, is, is you're going to get this because you earned this. You earned this. You earned this space. But at the end of the day, it is the kanaka who is responsible. And you have to understand where that mean, what that means to you. And if something that you can handle emotionally, mentally, even spiritually, you're perfect. You're in good shape. Because what I don't want to do is create separation. I need to create support. We need to create allyship. You know, and you know, so many kumu have when hala with nobody to leave a legacy to. Mm-hmm. Then what? Right? Then what? You know, I think about that as a parent. I think about that as a kumu. It's none, nothing's different. It's all the same for me. And so, you know, how do we, what do we do? You know, even with my children who may not have made it to those points in the hula realm, you know, they still have bits and pieces. I think as kumu, we're, we're pretty smart in knowing how we disseminate our information. We know what we're doing. We know who can hold what, kuleana, <laughs> uh, until we find the one that can hold it all. But until then, we have to kind of like, what you can handle, what you can handle, what you can handle, what you can handle. And then if I holla tomorrow, y'all got to get together. You know, but I don't foresee that. I don't foresee that. I plan on lasting for as long as possible and giving it to somebody, all of it. Uh, because it's, it's itching to come out. It's like dying uh, to come out. But, you know, you know, so that's that's where I feel. And I, I'm not going to lie. I have I've traveled the world. Um, got to talk in front of many halal. I look at their feet and I go, who is your kumu? Oh, they drop all the names in the world. Jawad is kumu and this is my kumu and this is my kumu. Your kumu, seeing that, they would not even tell me that you belong to them. Your feet, let me see all your koholos. Let me see all your halas. Let me see all your uehes. No. Oh, hema, hema. Like, and I look at the kumu, you know, like, and then I stop them. And I go, why are you guys all dancing hula? I make them all go one by one. Oh, because it's healing. Oh, it's spiritual. Oh, I love it. All right, great. What else? You know? But that's usually all the answers I get. And yeah, I go out and I nuku, and then I got to be like, you're the reason why I got to go untangle all this mess. The <laughs> the lay is all the kind that is. <laughs> and I got to go keep untangling, untangling. And I go, you, you, you know, and you know, they don't invite me back, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, it said I did my job. Uh, but the idea of us having to untangle that is very, very hard. And you cannot ignore it. Because what happens is that continues to get tangled. You know, the best things that we could do in this generation, in this time, and during this breath is as much work as we work can to untangle. The next generation gonna have their stuff to untangle too, but we have to simultaneously untangle while strengthening the aho. And so, as we strengthen the aho, we're untangling all these knots, and that's where that's the, what the kumu has to do, and it's a kuleana, and that's not easy. Um, but you also don't want to make knots along the way, you know, too. So, yeah, it's 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 very hard. It's a very difficult conversation. That's my manao. That's how I do things. Um, and as and I'm still a young kumula. So I'm in my, my mid-40s. So I still get plenty of time. I have plenty of time. Uh, but I'm not going to waste the time. By far, not wasting that time. Um, 
So I get plenty of lessons to learn and plenty of things to see and plenty of things to experience. Um, I'll have my nuku come after me as I nuku other people, but we're here for it, you know? That's what we came, we signed up for. So, um, yeah, as far as uh, the appropriation, yeah, and being on other people's soil, you know, very, and, you know, even in Hawaii, I feel the same way. Maybe I am Molokai, but Maui, I'm not going to do what I do. Oahu, I'm not going to do what I do. I humble myself. I listen. I stay silent. And it, you learn so much more by just observing. And so, um, but when I hear on my island, you know, I take I take responsibility. So, yeah, that's my manna also. Mahalo. Mahalo. Uh, Michelle? Well, I, I always say, uh, if you look like shit, don't tell anyone you, I'm your kumu. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the one thing I say. <laughs> Just put it right out there. I think, you know, I would love to be able to own, uh, and I do, I own my space in trying to teach specifically wahine, the mahu, as well as the keiki, because these three demographics have had less access to lua. In that, there are more and more opportunities to come home. I'm home now. And uh, that means different islands, not just one island. And uh, there is one very prevalent, very well-known uh, lineage of lua here. They're credited for the resurgence of Lua starting in the 60s and into the 70s. But at the same time that that was happening, there were also three Kanaka men, two in particular, that went to the continent and started to teach non-Hawaiians. We don't speak about them very much, but one of them was my teacher. There was one uh, interview that someone asked me, you know, well, how do you think that your training would have gone if you would have grown up full time back home? And I sat in that for just a split second and it hit me. Had I not been moved to the continent, I would have never have had the opportunity to even see Lua, let alone train in it. And to get to this place to where I, now I can bring it back to those that are, haven't been learning, haven't had the opportunity. I don't know. And I'm not going to say that's, you know, they've purposely kept it from, um, you know, the wahine, the mahu, and the keiki, I think it was mostly coup-driven, like, because I explained earlier. But now it's time. We may have wanting, wanted to keep lua, since it's banned, secretive, right? But then you look at you look at lua and explanations online, and there's all this folklore about learning how to open portals and learn how to make fireballs. That's not what we do. It's it's basic physics. I mean, the body can only be broken in so many ways. It can only be healed in so many ways. It can only move in so, so many ways. Um, my job, and I never want to overstep, and if I am being invited, it is protocol in Maoli times that if you are invited and you decline, it's disrespectful. So I come home. I come home every other month. I fly back and forth, and I teach. I get the honor of sharing, uh, which lightens the kuleana a bit, sharing what has been fed to me. Um, and that's helpful. And there are countless stories of how Lua in a really small one-time workshop has helped Wahine in particular get out of situations. So I try to be very respectful, but walking into the Lua community sometimes can be turbulent. I'm not here to challenge anyone. I'm here to teach those that haven't been able to learn. Um, and when the ban happened, it didn't just go underground and was kept secret from 
outsiders. It was, it's also been kept secret from our own people. And this is where I'd like to change things. I see BJJ, FMA, Kaju Kembo, all these different arts that are so pervasive here on our Aina. And this is what our Keiki are learning and it's turned into sport. But where is our Lua? Where is our only native cultural practice of our warriors? And I, that is my goal is, is to hopefully my life, like Kumu just said, you know, she's got plenty of time. Unfortunately, I, I feel opposite and, and publicly will say that I don't know how much time I have. And so I feel this sense of urgency to share as much as I can and put things no longer just in verbal transmission, but in writing. And um, I will not, I actually trust no one. I trust no one for a good reason. Uh, and I will probably leave portions of the EK to different people so that the ano of the information will carry on and there won't be one big, big shot to come in and take over. And that's just because this is Lua. It's a little, little bit different than other cultural practices. So thank you, Mahalo for letting me share. <laughs> awesome. I love hearing that perspective. Antihoku. Well, you know, when I, I want to go back to the title of this. Mm -hmm. Eva, should hula and other cultural practices be taught to or by non-natives? Um, so, okay, you know, when I first got the title, I was a little taken back. I was a little taken back because the word heva, to me, I equate with evil. You know, heva, it's it's more than my kaiole. It's it's big. It's big when you heva. It's it's almost unfixable. Yeah, so so when I saw almost I said no, just because had that word. Almost I said no. But then I went, no, I wanna say that I didn't like the word. So I'm trying. <laughs> so I could say I didn't like that word. Okay, so um, the, the other half of it, though, is I think what we're, we're touching upon now. And when I first thought about the title, I also thought that I cannot negate the behavior of those kuhula that came before me. And those kuhula that came before me taught everyone. They taught everyone and anyone. And I am really proud to say that hula accepts everyone. People who are not like, you know, young, old, you cannot stand up, never mind. You can still sit and dance hula, all ages, all genders, um, all physical abilities. Hula says, yes, you can come. So in that instance, yes, hula can be learned by anyone. But I will be honest with you, when it comes to ceremony, there are only Hawaiians that come with me to certain ceremonies. Certain ceremonies are kind of noa, so it's okay. But there are certain ceremonies that only can have kanaka. And, and because I think as we all are, are completely aware of, 
they bring their genealogy with them when they come. So they bring all of those people that have influenced where they are at that particular time and place. And to me, that is good, that is important. So the, the, the non-native, the non-Hawaiian, I don't invite everywhere, but I do teach. I do teach all ages. Well, okay, back up. I never used to teach children before. They, I had a hard time. But now I teach children. I think I matured. So now I can teach children. But, um, you know, it is hula, I say, is for everyone. However, I am with the others of you that there are only certain kinds of information and practices that should be given to Kanaka. It is not open to all. Certain Ike behaviors, activities should be for Kanaka for the very same reason I said that I take them to ceremonies because they bring, they bring their kupuna with them. And that is an important part of the learning and the participating is they bring their kupuna with them. So um, I have uniki formally six. All of them are kanaka. All of them took hula from me at some time or other. Only six. And I don't anticipate uniki any others. But it, it was a conscious decision that they be only kanaka. And so because there are certain ceremonies, rituals, behaviors, ike, that should only reside with the kanaka. Any other kind of learning, I often share. I teach non-Hawaiians. I teach, I help one halau in um, Japan and I help one halau in LA. And that's the only places outside of Hawaii that I have gone. And, you know, of course the Japan one, they're all Japanese, so and they're not Kanaka. And, um, in, in LA, they are, some of them are, yeah, just like all the rest who have moved to places, many of them are. So can non-Hawaiians learn? Yes. Can the practices be taught to them? Yes. Can they be kumu? That is not my decision. I believe it is the kumu that is giving them those rights and responsibilities, they're responsible for that. Personally, I wouldn't, but you know, the I will call them the big kumu, they're responsible for them. And if they are okay, well, then they have to be okay with everything else that follows. Yeah. Um, but I I don't. Um, but I won't say others cannot. I, I believe though, just like Kanoi Lani said, there are levels of knowing and levels of understanding and levels of expectations that are given to your students. But the Kanaka has all of it. They must.
they must take on all of it. And so those uh, kumu that I did uniki, um, I'm very proud of them. So I can say their names because I'm very proud of them. Um, one is Kumuhula Luanakawa'a, who is here on Maui. Um, the other are sisters, Napua Greg and Kahulu Maluo Pearson. And then the last three were my Ohana, my sister, Ulalia Woodside, my son, Lono Padilla, and my Hanai son, Keano Kaupo. So, you know, they... I am very proud of them because they carry what was given to them forward. Can they be innovative? Yes, I, I let them do that, but they better check with me first. I always tell them, you gotta check with me first so you don't go off the deep end, you know, you don't go over the cliff because you're doing something cuckoo. So, so you have to check with me first. But, but yes, innovation is acceptable for me as long and this is my gauge. As long as in a hundred years from now, it looks like hula. Then I'm good because a hundred years ago, it looked like hula. Today, we still look like hula. I want a hundred years from now that we still look like hula. Mahalo, Nui, Auntie. I just wanted like, I'm glad that you said that you didn't like the word. Um, and I, Kalamai, um, if it created offense, that was not my intent. But I did intentionally, like, I was a little like on the fence about like, do I want to use this word? But there was like reasons why I used the word because I see that word thrown around on social media, on the internet, right? And I wanted to like make sure that we cover like what what is heva what does it mean right like and not that it's just like oh it's just wrong like no it's really 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 bad right like and so um kind of uncovering the layers too about like how I mean it is sacred to us like it's not just a performance it's not just oh look how pretty you know like how we talked about like there are so many things so many aspects all the kauna of of everything that we do right and so Mahalo for saying yes. I'm so glad that you did because I was really like, okay, this is Kumo Hokulani. Like, she's one kupuna. Like, I don't want to disrespect her, but by the same token, like, I really want her mana'o. So I hope she can say yes. So I'm I'm so honored and blessed that you did. And, um, you know, look past my, my word. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, so we're coming close to the end of the hour. Um, and of course, we only, I think we only got to like three or four of my like million questions. So um, let's see, maybe we can end this portion because I think we are going to need a part two, but um, maybe hopefully, maybe a quicker question, maybe not, but it's okay if it's not. Um, what is your proudest moment as a Kumu? Um, you know, like of all along your journey so far, what has been your proudest moment um, from now? Uh, Kumu Michelle, we start with you. Of course, you would start with me. <laughs> what the heck wrong with you, Moana? I, um, I, I actually don't have one yet. I, I just try to earn my rank and my. My stature as a Kumu, every time I communicate with someone, every time I represent all of us and our foremothers, uh, and forefathers and Lua and us as a culture as a whole. I 
that's if I can keep control over myself at all times and represent us well, uh, because all of you here know that if you work anywhere in the public, if we're so courageous enough to take a stand uh, and to represent our culture, there will always be the equal and opposite force to try to take you down. And we don't have the luxury of having a moment. We don't have the luxury of being able to tell someone off and not, it not be absolutely blown out of proportion. So I think I don't have a really, and then all those accolades, they really, I think it's going to be when my life is over and to see how my Helmana carry on without me or the impact to D when I can destigmify the female warrior in our culture, when femininity is no longer a joke or uh, perceived as less than inferior, then that's when I'll be very proud to fulfill my kuleana. And I know, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's much bigger than just Lua. It's because I think the very inherent um, value of us as wahine has been so grossly diminished that that is really, Lua may be my modality, but your method may be hula. Someone may be weaving, it may be fish, it may be some other cultural practice. Nonetheless, we are in this together to prove that we have something to, not even to prove, I'm starting to realize what I'm proud is not to force anything anymore. To just allow things to develop and to maneuver elegantly and powerfully in what develops. And whether that's in Lua, Hula, or any other cultural practice, at all times I know that I represent all of us. And I think if I can do that throughout the remainder of my lifetime here in physical form, then that's what I would be proud of. <laughs> Woo, I hate you so much for asking that damn question. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Okay, thank you. Who knew? I love you too. Ah, Kumu Kanoilani. Yeah, I. <laughs> this is definitely um, really great questions because you know we go on with our lives with this kolana that we forget to think of ourselves in those aha moments. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple, and they also came with a lot of depression in this journey. Um, the first one was probably, I tell this story and it, 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 I've, I've gone through it, I'm, I'm good now. But um, having on Molokai, I've actually had a, a kahu, bishops, priests, um, the religious community pull me in one room. And they told me that what I was doing was invoking the devil because i was a practitioner hula and lua and because i could chant and because i could do the you know hula pahu and kahiko and all this other stuff um and i didn't budge and of all of those people that that put me in the room i was young gosh i was a much younger much weaker and scared and uh, oh boy that that gave me a good lesson in life by standing firm, that kupa'a was real. Because, because I had solid kumu and I had solid kupuna, you know, and that, you know, I went into, I, knocked, I went into depression for a couple of years uh, because I questioned all that was taught to me, all that I knew. Was it real? Was it not real? Was it pono? Was it not pono? Is it invoking the devil? Is it not invoking, the, you know, like all these things, like, 
when I was taught, I wasn't taught these boundaries of like Western boundaries. I was just taught my life. And so I think that was a big aha moment for me. And two years, I was in depression, ridiculed, judged, made to feel less valued. But for some reason, hula was my foundation. So it didn't make me move. I did question it. I did. Even with my lua. As a, as a wahine, oh, I have Olohe tell me that. I don't know. I see, we were only trained with one weapon. We were only trained with one weapon. We, and we had to master that one weapon. But it was also used for healing. So we had the kuhina side. Um, anyways, but as a female, young female, because I look young. Of course, I was all the things. Anyways, okay. So so we fast forward and I questioned my papa. Because I was like, papa, the Olohe said that our, our weapon, they never heard of. They said our weapon is fake. Kumu, they telling me what I'm doing is wrong. You know what all of them said? They mind what they think. You don't trust me. Okay, yeah, I trust you. Then you keep doing. You don't worry about that. And you know what the one gift my grandfather told me as a practitioner? Ho'omanawanui. And he was not lying. And Ho'omanawanui was what got me through. And so I pushed through. I stood strong. And um, eventually, it was funny enough, those same people who was calling me the devil worshiper were the same ones asking me to bless their homes and their keiki and all the things. And I went, oh, okay. I get choice now. You know, so I, I tell that to my haumana is that you 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 got to trust me. I got to trust you. And we this is your security. Because I trust them. And as long as you do that, we are okay. And so, you know, those are the things. You know, people can doubt and they're going to tell you, no, you're wrong. But when they tell me i wrong and I say, okay, you're right, I told 100,000 people behind me they was wrong. And, oh, I don't like their lickings. The people who are living and walking are nothing compared to the lickings that I get from them. That's one thing I definitely learned. And I will stand strong. And I would hope to have that for 100 years down the road for those who stay within our lineage. I got your back here and there and forever and ever. And once we become a Kumu, we recognize that we have that kuleana even when we're not here. And we have to stay strong. And so that was probably my biggest aha moment and that moment where I just went, oh, okay. My kumu and my, my kupuna, my, my papa, they was right. I'm not switching. Go ahead. Challenge me. I'm not afraid. Not afraid at all. But I won't come with grace. I may even come humbly and quiet, and I'm okay with that. So I have nothing to prove. The only thing I have is to continue to malama this ike and, and push it forward. And that's really my goal. And I don't care to fight. I don't care to argue. I don't even care to prove anything. Um, and that's one thing I learned. It's just refine your mastery. Be what you say you're teaching. And trust in your kupuna. And they'll never steer you wrong. And that is the best blessing, the biggest gift. And I can't explain that or teach that to anybody. They have to learn that themselves. 
And so ho'o manawanui, my papa told me three things. Yeah, ho'o manawanui, ha mana, to breathe deeply. And na'au, don't question, just do. That was the biggest lesson. And probably the most important. And I will ever, forever, ever, ever share his philosophies because that's the one thing that got me through everything. So, you know, um, so that's that's kind of what I would like to leave in closing as far as an aha moment is trust your kupuna, trust the teachings, trust your kumu. They're going to make you do things that you don't like do. And you may not understand it. Just listen. Just do it. Because one thing we're not going to do is leave you alone. We're always going to be right next to you. When you fall, yeah, we're going to tell you get up on your own. If you cannot get up, we will help you. But that's your koleana. We just got to see you get up. And once we see you get up, then we know you can surpass everything and anything. That's the goal. Is to see how pa'a you are in the things that you do and how you move in this world. Because when you pa'a in hula, you pa'a in yourself. And when you pa'a in yourself, nothing can move you. And that's the, 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 the mental part of it, the psychological part of it. That's the na'au part of it. The wailua, that's the um, the physical part. Yeah, you ai ha'a for one reason. To be pa'a. Yeah, and you move to be flexible. And, um, you know, Janka, Kumu Janka Imikawa said it the best, right? You dance with fire and you move like water. And that's what I definitely believe in. And I, I look at that in the way we think, in the way we heal, in the way we um, connect. And um, just in everything in life, because that's why hula is our lives. It doesn't separate us. So, yeah, mahalo. Mahalo, Tita. That was beautiful. Uh, Kumule aloha. I don't know what else I could say after. Um, being pa definitely, but you know, just to go, what is my, I, I don't, I think I don't, I cannot pinpoint one, you know, greatest moment. Um, maybe I would look to, for me, for me, the treasures is always in my homana. Um, the greatest pride of what we do um, comes from that, from seeing them, because then I see all of my kupuna and all of those who have laid the path for us in them. And so for me, you know, living in living on the continent and as well as many of, you know, uh, when our keiki are growing up here, that sense of identity is such a challenge. It takes a toll on their mental health. You know, it takes a toll on them just wanting to be. And I think something that's so beautiful about halau is you know, when we the the initial start of halal when you know talking to Auntie, my whole goal was I wanted halal to be like home, because the halals I was seeing up here was in halal. I wanted halal to be like home where I always wanted to be who I was always with, getting to learn from. You know, these are the people we're with. These are the people we hang out with. You know, even if even if in school all our all our hua are from different halal, for some reason, there's something that is pilina. And that was always halal and hula for us. And that was always, that, that was my focus. 
was to create a pu'uhonua for our, our kanaka here, to create a place for them um, to know who they are. And so, you know, for me, um, my babies <laughs> who started with our halal, who were my babies, are now graduating from high school making their way to college, um, you know, a decade later. And my babies, who this is our halal's legacy, um, are growing up. And I think for me, the proudest moment is being able to see them share hula. And when I have my hua papa or my hua kumu come, or we go home and they say, you know, I wouldn't even know that they live on the continent. Their oli and their olelo is so my Hawaii my, you know? And so that's the, for me, seeing that, because that's not me, that's the kupuna. That's what my tutu taught, right? Like, what are we passing on? What are we leaving here? Are we seeing, and we get to see the fruits of it. So I think um, seeing that, and the other the other great great thing is, you know, so many people told me, why are you teaching Hawaiian language up there? You need to come home. Come back home. Teach. Go. We do teachers at home. I know we need teachers at home. But there's so many kanaka living up here too. And Olelo Hawaii is not here. And and we need to make it. We I want it normalized. I'm like, how come you can go everywhere else and learn all these other languages? You can't learn Hawaiian. And I grew up I grew up with Hawaiian being surrounded. I, I didn't know what it was to be uh, without Hawaiian people. Everywhere I went, everything I did, it was Hawaiian. Um, and so up here, it's a, it's a culture shock. And so for our kids in Halal, they're pa. They're so pa. They know who they are. I get to see them in high school and just be so confident in the direction that they're going because they have that. They have that lavakua. They have that support and that kahua and that comes from Halal. But I think the greatest one is um, one of my haumana, she started with Olalo Hawaii, born here, raised here, and she's never been, she's has not gone to school in Hawaii, and she can speak Olalo Hawaii, and she can understand. She was privileged enough to go and be a part of the Hawaii Law program at Windward Community College, and just to see that, and I think that is, that is my greatest, my greatest, my pride and joy is the hamana is is my students is that is that is the pride and um and I think I am very privileged to be a witness to their greatness and that the fact that they get to carry on um just you know and you know I've heard Kungoku say this before but and I ever since I heard her say it and so many of her hamana I also know Kiano I grew up Big Island I knew him Uncle Ra when Rob but Kiano, <laughs> And so, um, but we really are just a vessel, you know, and our hamana are the next to carry it on in Kumu. And so um, that is my hamana. The hamana is my greatest, the greatest joy to be in their presence and to see their love for hula. It doesn't come when they start hula. It comes in a moment, in a song, uh, standing on the beach, standing on the mauna. It comes in a moment when all of a sudden they fall in love with hula. And that is when it, my heart, every day, all, everything just comes to play. So, yeah, that is what I can share. <laughs> Mahalo Nui. 
Kumuhoku, the Inga song. Well, you know, when I saw that question on your list, I, I thought about that and I thought and I thought and I thought and I thought. And I have to say, I do not have one proudest moment. I have many proudest moments. The first, the first time the baby goes through the whole hula without mistake at Hoike, that's a proud moment. You know, the, the time that you see a student that has been with you, like you, Lealoha, and you, and you sit at their graduation at high school and know that you have helped that being come to be. That's a proud moment. Of course, watch my sons be successful on the Merry Monarch stage. That's a proud moment to be able to, to have my children um, love hula as much as I love hula is a proud moment. So I have many, and because of that, I, I, I think this was just me. If I choose one, I do not honor the rest that I am proud of. Yeah, I am proud of them. All. Sometimes I like just give them a crack, but, you know, I am also very proud of the first time they dance on stage and they have all their costumes in line. They get all their lays correctly. They brought everything ironed and they don't make mistake. That's a huge proud. So I take the little things as well as the big things to be proud of, and I am just proud of loving hula. Mahalo. Kalamai, I'm not sure what just happened. Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> okay, there. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to like end it on a kaboom. Um, <laughs> oh, mahalo. Um, Kumuhoku for that perspective. I, I think that is true, that you cannot just choose one, right? Again, back to the connective tissue and how all of the pieces just make the wonderful, beautiful picture that is our culture and is our lahui um, and acknowledging the accomplishments that, you know, come along the way. And I think like even more broadly, like celebrating those, the small wins, all of them, like they might not feel big in the moment and you may not even know like the importance of that moment until later, but like, that's what keeps you going, right? Like, cause I'm sure even as Kumo and, and as Haumana, like there's times when you want to give up, like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, do I really want to do this? Yeah. Almost once a year, I like <laughs> And I've been teaching for 47 years. So that's a lot of times I wanted to give up. Yes. And I think that's an important message, especially for our keiki today, because it's such a like instantaneous culture that we're living in right now, right? Like it's that kind of value of the long work, like the longer vision. And it's not just like the, the hurry up right now, give me it right now. Um, I think that's another beautiful thing that hula provides to us is that reminder that it's not just you in that moment it's not just that moment it's everything that came before and everything that's still gonna come um 
and just being proud of that moment too, like celebrating the present, you know, like we always talk about the past, we talk about the future, but sometimes we don't celebrate that present enough, you know, so um, mahalo for all of you being present here today on this panel. I know we went longer than um, what we committed to and ikalamai, sorry, but I couldn't stop this conversation. And so thank you so much for being with us. You know, for me, like when I grew up, um, I danced hula when I was little, but it was now I know it's more like the Polynesian style, right? Like the Hawaiian Awana and Tahitian and Maori, all those different styles. And I didn't really dance hula um, a little bit more seriously until I came to the continent, you know, and I had multiple kumu hula here. Um, and it's different, like the halau here are different. So like I've moved around and I've taken a very long break. I really want to get back to it, but I don't, I don't know if there's uh, the right kumu here uh, in the Washington DC area for like the level of seriousness that I want, like really the connection back to the Pico. So I'm hoping that somewhere in my future, you know, there is a kumu that can like help me um, come back to um, in alignment more with what I would envision for, for myself. But um, in the meantime, I'm so grateful to hear all of your stories because you can be connected, you know, like, and I'm really learning so much here too from all of you. Um, and it helps me to feel grounded and connected, um, even though I am not directly, you know, being a practitioner, but more helping to elevate the voices of our community who are um, preserving it, promoting it, perpetuating it, um, and ensuring we're all doing that in a very pono way. So uh, mahalo nui again um, to all of our listeners who are watching this wonderful episode. I just want you to know how much of a blessing this this episode is, this conversation. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy. Please share and you know share it around. The more that people can help, you know, understand our culture. I think, especially for those who maybe cannot even come to Hawaii for financial reasons, whatever that is. But you know, my thing is, you don't have to come to Hawaii to experience Hawaii. If you are in the presence of a Hawaiian, you are in Hawaii. We bring it with us, right? Like, so um, thank you all for being a part of it. And um, yeah, um, kuleana and accountability is definitely two heavy takeaways that, that we have from this. Um, and so I'm excited. Hopefully we can continue this conversation into a part two. Um, and we'll bring that to you guys at, at another moment. So with that said, we'll end today. Please join us next week for our next conversation, which will be representing Coco on the continent. And that will be May 18th. Um, and we look forward to having you all back again. In the meantime, take care, everybody. Malama pono, ahui ho.
So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will If this the land of the free, it was a freedom then When they annexed Hawaii and called it Sea the Lands Without any type of payment and no signing off Called themselves the Republic in 1894 1.2 million acres overtaken from the native Hawaiians When they resisted, the West retaliated in violence and erasure The Hawaiian language is banned As part of colonialism's plan to expand, yeah Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation No work for all the locals School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will, we will So if we put Hawaii in a perspective Well, black and Asian history is interconnected Considering the fight with the Pacific Then of course, versus Asia They was treated as a middleman for war But didn't let the Western colorism run its course Cause dark skin was a sign of dignity to core The land was taken in the name of capitalism When prior to it was an actual kingdom Clap back at the system Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation No work out for all the locals School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will, we will